Welcome to Punk Theology. This would be Season 4, Episode 12. These are bumpers by Valencia Spain's own kickass punk and metal band Chubby Mosh. Yes, Chubby Mosh. In this Punk Theology dot net episode, Hope, Faith and Jesus Magic. This episode needs and gets about that much introduction. Why not tell a friend about punk theology? Pound that heart button, punch that effin' thumbs up icon, and then, why not comment and share, my cheeky punk bitches, my beautifully cheeky punk bitches. Kristen watched the Super Do you always watch the Super Bowl or is this uh, like a new yeah. thing? Are you saying that because I'm a woman? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm being totally stereotypically sexist. Yeah, yeah. That was really bad. I know. Um, wait, what's, I the, what's, no, the, I don't know. what's the Super Bowl? I, I know lots of men that do not watch the Super Bowl. Yeah, I do too. Is this the only time that you've watched this? Okay, Russ, I have very, I have very well thought out reasons for why I enjoyed the Super Bowl. And it's not just because I'm a woman and it's not just because I haven't watched football before. It's because I have very specific reasons. So was I know what. Was it because you like the uniforms that they were wearing? Did they have good colors? <laughs> oh my God, you guys are going to like sexually harass me for the next hour, aren't you? <laughs> All of you are. <laughs> we're going to talk about Tom Brady's ass for an hour. So, mm. <laughs> It's okay. It's Tom Brady is so cute. Are we going to talk about how he's gotten significantly more handsome every year he's played? Oh, he is not. He's gross. Tom Brady's nasty. I am he, not a he fan. Like when he started, yeah, yeah but he was cute. He was. Know, he looked no. He he was kind of like chubby. And yeah, he, he's had, turned, he was he's, very sweet. He's he looked. Chiseled. He looked like a real person, and now he's a robot. Yes, he's. He has let a surgeon slowly, slowly mm -hmm. turn him into mm -hmm. the person he always wanted to be. Yep. He is Tom Brady embodies his energy, just embodies that of every extreme perpetrator I've ever worked with. <laughs> like he, he you can tell he's an asshole. That man is sexually frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> that man that's it. Is Extremely, he is married to an ice queen, a total ice queen. Is it Giselle? Wait, 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 who is he married to? Giselle, and she just screams ice queen. Does she? Yes. I, I haven't paid enough attention to Every her. Every single picture of Giselle, like her eyes are cold as fuck. She is. But you would think that a Brazilian supermodel would be like all warm and shit. Would you? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> She'd probably be a scary ass bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, so, like, no, that man, like, that man's entire life is a sexual tease. Like, he's married to the most mm. beautiful woman he's ever met, and he's just, she controls every aspect of his life. Like, you just get that off of him. And he has to pour <laughs> himself into football. 
poor like and every day he's playing he's trying to justify himself to his wife to see if he'll get fucked that night so this is why <laughs> this is why i love the this year's super bowl is because it felt like a tom brady wet dream except he blew his wad at the beginning of the fourth quarter and everybody knew the game was over everybody but nobody knew what to do like you literally saw quarterbacks bumbling into each other like just walking around and knocking heads because they didn't know what to do it was so interesting because he he wanted to go out his way and he sure as hell did it but the one thing he neglected to think about was putting on a good show and he did not it was a terrible show but he went out on his terms like what other super bowl has there been there where the game was over at the beginning of the fourth quarter. The Steelers, oh, played, the Steelers right. played Seattle one year. It was over by like the end of the second quarter, I believe. Was it? So what did yeah. they end up doing? That's what I'm curious about is because they don't seem to have a plan for when that happens. People That's just change the channel and watch something else. That's usually what I do. Anyway. No, but I mean the players. I'm not talking about oh, yeah, people the watching it. The players. They don't they, give up, man. Well, and, they don't give up. Even Mahomes is like, he's down by 31 points and you can see him like, chop, 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 like we could do this. <laughs> well, because at one point, one of the announcers was just saying, it was, it was towards the end of the third quarter and he said, he literally, he said, at some point, he goes, it's, it's coming up really soon. We're, we're probability speaking, it's going to be impossible for them to actually be able to win this game. And then he never mentioned it again. <laughs> and you could tell, he was like, oh shit, it happened. <laughs> It was the least watched Super Bowl since 2007. That makes sense. And everybody was stuck at home with nothing to do. Yep. I had to work that day and it was busy. Like we didn't, I thought it would be slow. No, there was everybody, people showed up. Well, and that's another reason why it felt so interesting to me because it felt like the turning of the tide, just culturally speaking, because the Super Bowl has always felt like taking, it's like, it's like getting the pulse of the American culture and trying to figure out where they're at, just culturally speaking at this point in time, how they perceive things, how they perceive power and control and, and sexuality. And last year, I mean, it was the, what I remember from last year, I just remember JLo and Shakira. And that was a lot of fun. And it was, it was a very feminized, very sexual version of the Super Bowl. And I don't remember seeing a single woman yeah, there was a female ref, the first female ref ever. Yeah. That's true. No, I did know that. No, I did know that. But I mean, so outside of place, they showed her, but I was going to say a single woman who was femininely sexualized in, yeah. like, I don't remember seeing cheerleaders. Uh, the halftime show was just the weekend and it was all men dancing. Super. And it, it was, it was such an intense masculine experience, but it felt kind of sad at the same time. So it was, I don't know, it felt like a grieving experience. That's it was weird that they had just the weekend because they usually mix it up. Yep, they do. And and the set was not great. It looked really I cool. loved it. I, I loved the whole thing. The I thought whole it was so interesting. And all that. Oh, the, I loved it. Because it felt like disorientation. The whole news was really uncomfortable. Oh, I loved it. I mean, it made great memes, but it was really uncomfortable. I loved the buildup. So, so the, what the weekend felt like to me, and this is me getting very avant-garde modern art analysis kind of thing into it, is it felt as though that it was the entire evolution of male sexuality from the very beginning all the way through to the very end. Because it showed, it just showed like a lot of 
aggression and power, but then also, again, the disorientation, the uncertainty, but then the stabilization. And then again, more of an overall decision-making and just kind of fixating on what the goal is going to be. His and then the rest of the... His finale was really good, blinding lights. Oh, it's so much fun. But yeah, the rest of it, I was kind of iffy on. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned him, like, because I was trying to figure out because Gen Z is just not into celebrity like the previous generations were. Mm -hmm. And they have very specific requirements for celebrity. So other than The weekend, Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez. Which, is, which is really, Justin Bieber's kind of past. He's kind of more millennial. Yeah, than he is. Like name a male pop star that Gen Z likes. A male pop star? Oh, the, the, the Korean guys. Oh, K-pop is big, is true. <laughs> it is big. Name one that they put in a Super Bowl, because they wouldn't put K-pop in a Super Bowl. Not yet. When we get a Korean football let's, player, you will. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of, is it, is it Kygo? K-Y-G-O? He's uh, not exactly a pop star so much as he's just a DJ. But back in our day, we could have done, listed off. Right. Hours. No, you're right. Back in our day. Oh my god. And uh, and uh, yeah, you guys are so old. I know. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting how much Gen Z likes female celebrities, and especially female celebrities of color. Like, if you look up uh, Gen Z celebrities, I'd say eight out of ten are female and probably six out of 10 are female of color. Which I is, love that too. Which is great. Which is an obvious reaction, but I just thought it was interesting. And it was also interesting, like, you're right, the last one was very female heavy. The last mm -hmm. two, so they couldn't go female heavy again. So I just, right. Right. Of like, who do we get? Like, uh, the weekend is it. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the old he's, he's 30, which is old. He is three, yeah. That is, that's... Her was the, uh, she sang the national anthem, right? I watched that, that was pretty cool. And then she played guitar, like something Hendrix would do. She was very talented. That yeah. was really cool. That's true. The opening, there you go, Christian. There's your, there's your femininity, the... Uh, oh, I missed, her. I actually missed the opening, so uh, oh, that makes Did sense. Did you hear about the, the story about the streaker? I was, I was just going to say, so the best yeah. part of the entire show, and this is also something I loved because this was in the fourth quarter and the entire audience was getting restless because they knew the game was over. And I think they just wanted to leave because they just thought it was stupid. And that's when the streaker went out on the field and Tom Brady just looked so pissed. Because he knew he just got upstaged by a streaker. Did you, know, <laughs> you didn't know the story behind the streaker. No. It's fantastic. So he took a prop bet. He put down $50,000 oh, no. in the Super Bowl. Really? Yes. That's hilarious. Oh, straight and he got three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Wow. Oh, good for him. That's <laughs> worth going to jail yeah, for that. Yeah, like yeah, like man, if you're that, yeah, brilliant. There will yeah. never that will never occur again. What's ah! they five thousand dollars? Here you go. That That's, makes me happy. <laughs> he paid a thousand dollars to get out of jail, so he walked away with three hundred seventy-four thousand dollars. Wow. So. Like, Oh, my wife and I watched the thing on Tom Brady. What? My my wife and I watched the documentary on Tom Brady, and I, <laughs> and I think and I used to hate him. Like I used to hate him for a long time, and I think it's because he just embodies all that kind of 
jock, tough guy, sort of high school, had everything handed to him, kind of. Oh, he has the biggest ego. He's the yeah, biggest dude. ego. Like, I did yeah, not want him to win. Watched, we watched this documentary. It's like, oh, wow. Like, he he actually had to fight. Like, he. Of course. He was slow. He was kind of. He wasn't the fastest runner. He couldn't mm. throw a perfect spiral. He was oh, Pat. He was like 199th pick or something like that. <clears throat> um, you know, stuff like that. I thought that was kind of cool. So it made me appreciate the guy a little more and i actually rooted for him so i was rooting for the old guy i i rooted for him too who cares but um i used to listen to a ton of sports radio when the seahawks were big i'm pretty across the board most players agree tom brady is genuinely a good person really like they've seen him do genuinely gracious things without any applause or notice Mm -hmm. like like rookies that are supposed to pay for a bar uh for everybody in the thing and uh, and they don't have the money, and Tom Brady just goes up and like talks to the owner and like just put it on my tab and then doesn't tell anybody, like that type of thing. Of like, okay, like that's he he genuinely does have some emotional intelligence. No, um, he's super fucked up, but but um, it makes sense he'd be really private about it though because yeah he's just on such a high platform. But just- and- but even noticing that someone else is in that rough of a spot and then giving them an out quiet. That's true. Just that is enough to say like, okay, he's, he's got some sensitivity. Well, somebody who's willing to actually help somebody maintain their dignity. Right. That's, which is that, a wonderful that is very respectful. addition into Jesus magic. <laughs> is it? Yeah. You'll, you'll see in a minute. I'm going to okay. pull back in. With Go my, for it. So Jesus magic with your wife? What? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> you said something about Jesus magic with your wife. That was the worst Freudian slip I've ever heard, Russ. Say <laughs> 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 so what that was? Uh, Chuck. Hi. Well, hi, there you are. I wasn't sure if you were with us or not. Anyways, so Jesus magic. Can I open us with Jesus magic? Oh man, that just sounded like the beginning of a Bible study. Yeah. Let's, can I open us? Can I open us in Jesus magic? Okay, everybody bow their heads. <laughs> so Jesus magic probably isn't real. But it might be. <laughs> but it might be, but it's probably not. Uh, and we talked about this previously, how um, and it's funny the I mean, the more you look at his the historical standpoint of Christianity, the more you realize like Jesus magic didn't used to be as big of a thing as it became in the eighties. Um, and it really turned into a thing because the eighties was the beginning of mass consumerism. Mm. And we had to figure out how to make Christianity fit that money-making scheme. Um, and, and, and it was, you know, when was it that McDonald's came out with, do you believe in gym magic? Like it was right in that sweet spot. Uh, if you believe in magic, right? You guys remember that ad campaign? Yeah, yeah. I remember the jingle in my head. Yeah. yeah. Jackson old 50s song or something. Mm-hmm. It started mid-80s probably. And that was really when I think Christianity really glommed on to like, okay, we need real Jesus magic. I and mean, Jesus magic has to be a real thing. Um, and especially my childhood, that was the foundation of really why we were Christians was we wanted that Jesus magic. And that Jesus magic wanted to show up and it was going to fix things 
And, you know, that was what the definition of faith was, was that you knew when you got in a bad spot that Jesus magic was going to rush in and save you. Um, and that, and that's, that was just the whole pitch. Um, uh, especially in like Sunday school and that type of thing. Like they really hit that shit hard in Sunday school. Um, and, and coming out of that is interesting, mostly because it's so unfortunate because it creates a scenario where you get angry at Jesus for not being magic, which is just the worst bait and switch fucked up give me, thing. Give me an example. What, what do you mean? Well, like, I mean, like, I remember going to... He doesn't show up? God showed up today. Yeah, like, like, my first purity group purity men's group and they were up front explaining all the work that we were going to do was this was this as a teenager no this was when i was younger. Marcel. yeah Marcel. okay and some guy raised his hand and was like i don't understand why jesus just won't heal me and it was really uncomfortable in the room because you could tell pretty much everybody that was there was thinking that mm. and nobody in leadership could say well, that's not real. But that's exactly what they were thinking. Was no, you have to do actually do the work. It doesn't just happen magically. Like you've been fed for your entire childhood that Jesus will just show up and heal you. Um, yeah. So that's an example. I think there's Kristen. Um, you probably have some more extreme physical examples, but that's the other one. Like, what do you do when you bring someone up front? And you pour oil on them and anoint them and pray for the healing and they fucking die. Like, what do you do? Uh, um, yeah. You, yeah. And that's when she gets really ugly. Cause then you're like, well, he must not have believed. Right. Like, or someone in this church is, is what was that one from the old Testament? That one guy that didn't believe and stole the stuff and then they lost their next battle. Yeah. Like that type of shit. Like this is somebody in this church's fault. Yes. Yeah, somebody cursed them, which is why they're dead. Yes. Right. Yeah, you have to have an explanation other than Jesus magic isn't real. And people will go to crazy extremes to explore the idea of Jesus magic isn't real. So I was running with this idea of Jesus magic. This is where it's going to tie into Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> and, and like just doing a lot of thought experiments about Jesus. Uh, and what if Jesus was just a really well-educated magician. What if he took his money that he made when he was six years old from the Magi and went East and learned everything that, because by all accounts, Jesus was extremely well-educated and nobody could figure out why. Like it just flat says that in the Bible, that he knew shit that nobody else, that, that only the really high up people in the synagogue knew. Um, and he seems to know, he just seemed to know a lot about humans. Um, and what if he was just one of the most, one of, what if he was the most benevolent um, magician of all time? So when it comes to Jesus magic and his healing, imagine a scenario much like today where you have a an entire society that's extremely dedicated to making sure that people with physical ailments are taken care of, but they do nothing for emotional or mental ailments how many people would be pretending to have physical ailments when really they were having mental and emotional 
elements. So Jesus is walking around. He's incredibly insightful, incredibly intuitive. And he looks over and he goes, that man is not blind. That man is pretending, but that man is so fucking damaged and so hurt that he has to, he can't patch himself together day to day. He has to beg because he's so traumatized. And if I point that out to anyone, and this man is miserable. This man is miserable in existence. He's been pretending he's blind for 30 fucking years. He hates it. Every day he wakes up and thinks, is this the day that someone's going to find out I'm a blind man? So he goes over, he whispers in the guy's ear, he picks up some mud, like, okay, like just something, puts on the guy's eyes and he has a link with the guy and he's communicating, you're healed now, you can stop pretending. And he does he say, you're healed, I fixed your eyes? What does he say? Your sins are forgiven. You're, because this man is miserable thinking he's the worst person on the planet. And now how many people know that this man is blind? Two. And how many people are going to tell the people around him that he's blind? Zero. And that is his pact to the blind man. That I will not, I know, this crowd right here would tear you to pieces if I said anything. I'm not going to say anything. You're free to go. Now read all of the stories of Jesus healing people. The man coming down from the ceiling with his friends. How fucking embarrassing if your friends had dedicated their lives to healing you and you were pretending the whole time. Which is funny to Kristen because she can totally see herself in that scenario. I've got it! That's why. And, <laughs> a physical ailment. and then oh no i'm dedicated oh my god it's been six years and everybody thinks i'm fucking paralyzed <laughs> and they take you to a magician and the magician winks at you and says your sins are forgiven well he and never actually said that though in the story in a lot of the stories it was your faith has made you like that's one of the misnomers, and a lot of that's in Christian culture, where Jesus says that, like, your sins, are, I made you well, your, your sins are forget. Jesus usually says, your faith made you well, or your, your belief yeah, made you well. It definitely says it both. And, and again, like, what else would you say, Russ? Like, so again, so here's the question. Right now, you're fighting for Jesus magic. Me? Why? Yeah. So I, I see it. I see it philosophically different. So, I, part of this is reading uh, Peter Rowland's book, um, uh, "The Orthodox Heretic and Other Impossible Tales," <laughs> where he tells this story, kind of the same story, where you know the blind man walks in and Jesus, you know, he rubs the stuff on his eyes, and your your faith has made you see again. And the guy says, yeah, you know, I, I can see now. The way he told the story is way better. But what, the point of the story was it wasn't necessarily that he could physically see, but because the, the Pharisees are laughing at this. So here's the part they don't tell you in the story is as the blind man is leaving the room, he's still like, he can't fucking see with his eyes but something happened internally in him. Maybe it's kind of the same as what you're talking about with the, he's been faking all along. Now he sees, now I see. So, so he, 
the, the <laughs> metaphor of seeing and hearing is not necessarily with your eyes wait, or your ears. Wait, wait, time out, time out. If they don't tell you in the story that he's stumbling out of the room, how the fuck do you know that, Russ? Yeah. Or I don't there? I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know much. So my point of the story is one, not to tell you what did happen with Jesus, just to tell you, maybe he was, he was healing people, not physically. It's just a, what if it's a, it's a, it's a contemplate this, let this be a possibility in your mind. It's not saying this is absolute truth. It's just that this could be a solution. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. The question is, most people, if I told them that, might try and kill me, like most Christians. Mm. Like, they want to kill me. They would get really offended, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, really angry. Because it is offensive. Because they have to believe in Jesus now. Right. Right. They have to. Right. They really physically feel, they're having such a strong physical reaction, if you tell them that story, that they will worry for their own long-term survival if Jesus magic is not real. So they have to take you out. That is fucking tragic. Mm -hmm. That is really fucking sad that they need magic to be real so badly to patch their lives together. But isn't that what faith is? What? Magic? It's, it's magic. You could call it Jesus magic. No. You could call it science magic, right? Like there's no. some scientist somewhere <clears throat> who's going to cure my husband's cancer. No, it's absolutely not magic. Faith is just buying into a worldview. That's all you're doing with faith. You don't have to, you, and magic just, magic is what patches shitty worldviews together. That's all magic is, is, oh, if there's a hole here in my worldview, I'll just slap some magic over the top of it. There you go. Magic's together. So no, that's not faith. Faith is just buying into a worldview. Hmm. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that. Like if your kid has has cancer or something or or kidney or liver disease and all of a sudden, you know, you're praying and you're praying and all of a sudden this opens up or it doesn't. I have this going on in my family right now. It sort of is close to home. That's so, so so my my cousin is, is on a ventilator still. It's been four weeks and I see the Facebook posts and, and everyone's like please pray. And some of this really triggers me and bothers me where, where it's like, we're claiming victory in the name of Christ. And we all have to do this and please fast and stuff like that, you know? And, and I, I I don't know what to say that, you know? Well, how do you know your friend wants to live? My cousin? I don't, yeah. Your cousin. Like, no, he's on the ventilator. He, he probably wants to die. His organs started shutting down, but then I bet you he wants to die. And everybody praying on his behalf, to be honest, maybe that's what he wants. And maybe that's just what they want. No. That's where Jesus magic becomes complicated because whose story are are we telling here? Jesus magic is according to who? Yeah. Because if it's according to your cousin, maybe Jesus magic is his, is him being released his from... wife's deal so his wife just lost her mom to COVID. i'm not saying that this isn't hard now, for her. And her husband is on the ventilator but this COVID. isn't just her story no there's more not, than one person right. here and her story is dramatic so because of that it gets more attention but what about the person whose literal life is on the line they're mm-hmm. the ones we forget about and we think about all the other people who are going to be impacted by this one person dying and that's where it gets complicated yeah. because we we manipulate the story 
so that we can feel better, but we victimize the person who's hurting the most so that we don't have to hurt. And you can call that faith if you want to, but to me, it just feels very cowardly, or at least yeah. it can be. I'm not saying it is all the time. It can come off as Again, narcissistic. Russ, that's it is narcissistic. It can be narcissistic. That's just her. That's. I feel like that story just proves my point. That is her choosing to believe her worldview no matter what. And her worldview is, I cannot survive as a person with this person dying. Like, or I'm so afraid of my own future without this person in it that I'm willing to sop as much magic over the top of it as I can muster yeah. in order to to try and force this worldview to come into into existence. That's all that is. That's not the magic is not the faith. The magic is the patch that helps you maintain your worldview. All right maintain a, a semblance of control. everything's going to be okay the more it's the illusion of control sorry go ahead yeah. the more helpless and the more powerless you are the more magic you need to slop all over it in order to make it work and sometimes one or two percent of the time it works out and then we take that person we put them on a national stage to give everybody else hope and anybody who just made every, their entire lives worse by slopping magic all over something that they didn't want to happen gets silenced yeah we don't that's want the popular idea of christianity like this this idea of you have to die to live isn't real popular especially <laughs> american christian well who has to die who exactly Exactly. Because people right. are Christians are pretty cool with finding somebody to sacrifice, but they do not sacrifice yeah, themselves. And that is the hypocrisy and the disgust yeah. of current evangelical Christianity, because that means they don't get it. Because if they're going to follow Christ, that means that they are the ones that have to truly self-sacrifice, not project yeah. their image of sacrifice onto a scapegoat. And that's that's just been my own experience yeah. whenever Whenever people need the Jesus magic to be real, they will find their scapegoat. And it's usually the most vulnerable person in the room. And that's what makes me so angry towards churches. They are the perpetrator. They are the ones manifesting this pain while also saying in the same breath, we are the savior. And that it, it's so gross that they can't see the other side. I'm not saying that they're through and through evil. They just don't see the whole picture. Yeah, they're subconsciously they, giving you the drug and the cure. Like I'm, I'm giving you the poison mm. and now you have to come back for the, the antidote. That's sort of the way the American church is set up, right? And that, I feel like I don't know. what do you think, sick, Steve? right? Steve is Steve has been quiet. He's the the pastor in the room. <laughs> I'm just listening. Yeah, because it it seems that it seems like a lot of times, especially even in, in culture today, nationally, our own insecurities get triggered, and then thereby we have to defend those insecurities. We got to hide the insecurities. So then we jump to defend more and more of our belief system. And it doesn't matter um, what that belief is. If your belief is questioned, you immediately become defensive. You look in the churches that way. I mean, if you, if you challenge somebody's faith, usually they're triggered because of their own insecurities. They have their own doubts. Mm. Or if we have a belief that 
we question highly, sometimes we're even trying to convince ourselves that we're right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, I, that's part of my definition of faith too, which isn't real popular is that doubt is, is stepping into faith. Right. I mean, faith well, is the evidence that you don't know, right? It's, faith is not knowing faith is the unknown faith. Faith without doubt is just certainty. And yeah. certainty is not faith. No when Christians. Talk, when most Christians talk about faith, I feel like they're talking about religion. They're talking about certainty. That's what they mean. Religious certainty, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yes, they're, they're magic. That's that's, <laughs> that's that's the hard shit right there. That's the stuff that they're really going after. That's the heroin of Christianity, is certainty. Mm. And that 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 makes me angry when I saw it. Looking back now, so I listened to a podcast by Josh Harris. You guys familiar? Yeah. Wrote the purity book and then said he was sorry. Oh uh, yeah. That guy fucked up so many kids. Oh, yeah. yeah. That guy has a circle of help. Wow. Like, he knows it, too. He yes. does. I'm glad he yeah. knows it. Yeah. He did a TED Talk on, on how to be wrong, you know, and stuff. And he, I just listened to him on uh, Seth's, David's podcast, David and Seth's podcast. Um, and, and some of that had me think about ASI. And those shows are still up, you know, where I had... I never believed in purity. Like that was never a word I used. I never saw that as, as like realistic, but I did push my kind of certainty based worldview on people, you know? And I think about that, like those shows are still, I look at it as part of my story. This is where I was at, but there's still like 900 people a month listening to those shows, those old shows. And some of me feels like there was a lot of, misinformation you know that's okay I, I don't know like yeah I think we all do that. I get it like because it was just this is what I believe and I always said that throughout the show I'm not your fucking pastor I'm not your guru well you're not this done growing going but none of us are and so yeah. well and, and we're we're in this culture now where we hold each other accountable for things that we've done in the past but we don't it's not just accountability like we roast them until they're dead and so instead of it just being allowed that that's where you were at that point in time, and that was part of your experience and your journey, and that's what brought you to this point that you are at, yeah. which is a, a higher place of consciousness, you've grown in between then and now. Yeah. And so because of that, like, you don't have to be sorry, Russ, you just have right. to be better. Like, it's okay. Yeah. I feel like I, but I, here's what I, here's where the, maybe the guilt comes in is where I sort of pushed my idea of what it meant to be obedient to Christ sexually on other mm. people. And, and I think that's fucked up. But did you now, believe that? Back, did you believe that at that time? Yes. <laughs> then what's the problem? And I thought I was doing great. Like I'm crushing it. Yeah. It's like, know? it's like Christian. Cause said, I've though, got, you're, cause you're, I'm you're growing or whatever. You shouldn't be the same person that you were five years ago. Yeah. I really didn't have a good idea beat right. on None of us did. and all that shit. So don't, you can't be so hard on yourself for a belief. And the only reason I say that is because that's a struggle that I've had mm. is looking back at the kids that I was with in Young Life. And now I go out when I get together with them, I get together a lot of, with a lot of them and we, we have a couple of beers. And I remember back in the day that we kicked kids out of club because they were drinking beers. Well, that was then. And this yeah. is now. I'm not who I, I'm not now who I was then. But I'm also not yet who I hope to be. Yeah. And that's helping me understand and not deal with so much with 
with guilt over that crap that I threw out from from the pulpit or from the leader posi- leadership position. Yeah, I, I sometimes figured the certainty part of it. You know, I sometimes wonder if that's what happened to Mark Driscoll. Very good, Bill. All of a sudden, he realized that uh-huh. he checkmated himself. Yeah. And he started remembering all the shit that he said before and then got to a place where he was starting to be held accountable for all the shit that he had and then realized he just played himself. Yeah. There's no way out. Yeah. Well, when you're wearing $300 pair of jeans, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're down on an island that you can't really get out of. There's no recovery. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then even just, I mean, what it came down to is he just didn't treat people well. No. Yeah. And he, and and it became, you know, really obvious over time that the gospel he's preaching, he didn't apply. No. And and all of a sudden, he and he is he was very intelligent and very realistic, and and very logical. And I wonder if he just got to the point where he realized that he logicked himself into an un, unwinnable situation, that that his philosophy on life and how things worked uh, weren't weren't working for him. But then and he what, took the coward's what, way out. Yeah. Yeah. What a horrible curse to start preaching when you're 20, and yeah. then have, mm-hmm. have it blow up into a giant thing, and mm-hmm. then as that you've just been full of shit for your entire life. Thank God, I didn't have more influence as a 20 year old. Like that's why I respect Joshua Harris because he's willing to go out there and say I was wrong. Driscoll he's trying. He is trying. Driscoll. No, no, uh, Josh oh, Harris. Sure. But yeah, yeah. but he's doing it. He's doing it in a way I think where he's almost like he's a little bit too penitent. Like he's just too sorry. He's going well, out there and he's slitting his own throat. And there's a sadness to that. That's just he's he's that's apologizing hard. while making money on the back end. Yeah, that's true. That's it. he's he's whoring out his own guilt. <laughs> <laughs> like a good Christian. Like a good. Like a good... <laughs> Yeah, I think that kind of stuff can be healthy though. Like I see Driscoll is kind of Yeah, mean, it can be. Driscoll's like he was an addict of his own ego. Being a whore can totally be healthy, Russ. You're right. Being a, <laughs> being a whore in certain situations can be healthy. I agree. I don't disagree with that. But just keep in mind you're making money on both ends. Right. And it's hard not hard not to look at it and go, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when, when people give money to asi should i ask them why they're doing it uh-huh. <laughs> like why did you just send me why not why not auto reply turn your money if it's some weird i don't know auto reply in all caps are you being a whore <laughs> me no that's what i mean you ask can, the person giving the money that's the person oh. giving the money. like are you sure you're not just being a whore <laughs> of all the words so oh you're gonna hate that i'm gonna jump on this Derek. i get so upset by that word because i know many whores and they're good people no i know but i would like people that are acting like a whore to be worker. aware of the fact that they are acting like a whore the best thing about a whore you're, is you're talking about the two-faced aspect yes that oh, part no, that, because that. you can be a, a whore like straight up and there's some honest okay. whores you're right there I'm are not- I'm talking about capitalists, which are way worse than normal. Okay, that's different. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, like, capitalists are are whores on one end and priests on the other. Very okay. Thank you. That makes okay. All right, I feel better. Continue. It's a metaphor. Mostly yeah, yourself out. Like that's a that's a term. Like people know that. 
And I'm countering the term Russ. I'm upset by the term. That's what I'm saying. I'm adding a little, I'm adding a little I, dose of feminism to this whole thing. That's like, there you go. But I, I, I love it because I believe that too. I think <laughs> that's why they came up with sex worker. They're calling sex work. Yes. And I believe in sex work. Anyway, Derek was talking. No, I just enjoy saying horror a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what, to say horror like 16 can times. You, can you Different, like a, some kind of a hybrid between priest and whore. Catholic? Catholic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Catholic, there you go. <laughs> uh, no. Well, I mean, you think about, think, you of, think about the entire Catholic religion. I mean, it's they're, it's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> it, it's work-based faith. Chuck, Catholic doesn't work because sometimes whores enjoy getting fucked. <laughs> 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 this is fine. This is, this, is fine. this is all fine. I'm fine. There was another job that the word whore was. I can't remember now. Say I lost it. Oh, I've changed the word this for is Kristen. why I used to have a notepad like Kristen. I used to write things. I don't have my notepad today. I, have, yeah, I still have my notes from last time. I still have questions I have to ask Chuck. <laughs> You, I know. Okay. I have it right here. There you go. Chuck's interview. I'm not doing it right now. Why not? I just have to wait because yeah. it's more fun to watch you guys squirm. <laughs> I'm gonna get another beer. Oh great! <laughs> none, oh. none of us are squirming. No, oh, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> no. This is okay, fine then. Man. I'm really not gonna do it then because then it's no fun. If if nobody's like anticipating okay. anything, then forget it. You could get Steve to squirm. I, bet. Mm. <laughs> I like Steve. No, but that's why Steve is my favorite. No. The reason you like Steve is because he's the only one that would squirm. The rest of us are horrible people. That's true. <laughs> so I just got a winter storm watch, guys. Yeah. Nice. On my is phone. It good to <laughs> Three to six inches. No, rephrase <laughs> that. Three buddy. to eight inches of snow. Good deflection. Three to eight inches of snow. Yeah. Anyway, Steve, bring it. What? Save horror. Say horror. Horror. Okay, there you go. <laughs> no, I, I don't feel. I don't feel that you, you don't feel it. the horror of it. I don't feel like the yeah, yeah the weight is there. No, don't. I mean, you either have to go all in or not. <laughs> if you're gonna whore yourself out like that, then you have to just do it. Are we talking about actual whores, or are we talking about Steve saying horror? How many it's inches did Steve say again? Three, six, How many inches was it, Steve? How many what? How many inches? Six. Three to eight. Oh, average. <laughs> How do you say whore differently? Average, average snowfall. <laughs> How do you say whore differently? Five point eight five inches. What? How do you say whore differently? Oh, prostitute, sex worker. I mean, what do you mean the word? <laughs> whore, whore. <laughs> I haven't gone to down to see the whores lately. How's that? There you go. Hey, you nailed better? it. Yes. There we go. Wait. That was really good. <laughs> right now. I knew you had it in you. I think I just beat a little. You what? She got <laughs> really excited. Chuck got really excited. Where's my so reaction? <laughs> Steve is precious. That's what it comes down to. Steve is precious. Thank you. You are precious. I'm serious. So, I, I adore you. I think you're very sweet. Oh, well, Russ is gone. I have to go put my kids down. So you guys 
You guys uh, talk amongst wait, yourselves. Are you serious? Oh yeah. my god. Misha Misha has her friend's house, so I told her I'd put the kids down. Me, Chuck, and Steve. Okay, okay, me, Chuck, and Steve. Hey, this do you want me to step out? Now. You can what? carry on your info. No, back. Steve, stay back. here. Wow. What? Where back. did Derek go? Thanks. Oh, leave. come on, Chuck. <laughs> Big baby. <laughs> Where did Derek go? He left to go for here. I can go dark. No, Steve. <laughs> go dark, Steve. Here, I just went dark. Oh, my God. <laughs> carry on. You don't know what I'm doing on this side. <laughs> you pulled the shade. Pulled the curtains. <laughs> that was I'm back. Cute. I was impressed by that. That was, that was pretty uh, cute. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, so back not. to Jesus magic. Okay, back to Jesus magic. What are we talking about about Jesus magic now, Steve? Because back in the day, Campus Crusade for Christ which was Bill Bright's big thing. God, the four spiritual laws, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I bought that hook, line, and sinker. And there are so many people of my, of my generation that grew up in the church that did that. They believed that if they followed, if they did A and then they did B, then they would get C. But a lot of times they did A and B and they got D, F, because the Jesus magic didn't work. And that's the thing. That's that bait and switch pill. Because Russ, when you came to Jesus, why did you come to Jesus? Oh, boy. That's a complex question. Um, I had deep shame and pain going on, you know, and then I did the whole altar call thing. Yeah, I did too. And I remember like tears and the yep. whole works. Yep. Mom was there and she did it too. And yep. she you know, so I just figured it was going to fix me, you know, like I can't quit. Jesus pill. Yeah. Like I can't quit doing the wrong thing. Like that was just sort of how I grew up. I grew up thinking that I'm, I'm just gross, you know, and I always do the wrong thing and I'm always fucking up. And, you know, I have these thoughts that are sometimes sexual, sometimes violent, sometimes just all these different things going on in me that I was, I couldn't tell anyone, of course, because Jesus doesn't like those thoughts. Exactly. Um, so you're looking for the Jesus pill. Yeah. And then it didn't work, you know? Right. Like I, did, I did the altar call thing. And yeah. then how many times? You know, three. Mm -hmm. I think by the time I finally gave up on it. Yep. Yep. As a kid. And then just looking back at the, you know, then I've talked about that in the show before, just, sexual abuse and and how how these motherfuckers keep kids quiet you know and a, a lot of it uh, you know i watched this uh law and order show and the detectives go to this pedophile because they want to get information out of him and they're like this is gross this sucks but this guy knows like he's done this and he knows what to do so they asked him they go what you know what, what do you do to keep kids quiet you like threaten their puppy or kill their parents or something like that. And he said, he said, no, a good, a good predator doesn't have to, they don't have to do that at all. They just have to make them feel like yes. if they did tell they would be exposed and shamed and feel, and that's, that's exactly what happened to me. Like it's exactly what he did. Like he said, I remember he said that and I got really upset 
And he said, you go, you, you tell your parents, you think they're going to love you? You know, like that was pounded into me and that tape played over and over in my head. Subconsciously, you know, it wasn't until I was 36 that I started unpacking that fucking tape or even telling another human being about it, you know, because I was so ingrained in the shame of that. And, and the fact that the Jesus magic didn't work, you know, this altar call, um, stop me from from being this way is kind of yeah because you think if you just do it one more time then it'll do it right yeah because yeah. you didn't do it right the first time because if you'd done it right the first time it'll worked and then if it doesn't work it's not jesus magic's fault it's i'm gross yeah i did yeah. it wrong i'm a sinner i deserve hell you know? and that's why i was i was hitting on that our own insecurities are what we then will get so defensive about because we're doubting our own faith and then we'll get more defensive and say, no, you're right. And that was when my faith became, I believe, more healthy was when I started to admit and discuss, hey, I've got, I got serious concerns. And what have I been doing for 30 years, 40 years? You know, who have I been following? And it's like that one book, uh, Imaginary Jesus. You know, who do we, who do we, who is our imaginary Jesus? He's a Jesus that fits our need. You know, it's the Jesus that comes out in the muscles and can tear phone books in half and blow up hot water bottles. You remember the J- Jacobson Our power team. team? Power team. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that I was that, huge. I had that conversation with a coworker because I have my ordained Dudas Priest bumper sticker on my toolbox. <laughs> so I got I got ordained by the 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 Church of the Latter-day Dude which is a religion based on the movie, the big Lebowski. And sure. I sent like $20 and they sent me all this. Like yep. it's yeah. real. Like it's ordained. That's so great about it. But you're, <laughs> you're, you couldn't be more excited. I think out of everything you've ever done, that's probably the thing that makes you the happiest. That's it was, really it was hilarious, but I just thought, it's, and it's sort of a, you know, like Derek talking about Jesus magic to me, it was just sort of a, like this is how much of a farce organized religion is. If, like if I can get ordained because of a movie, um, but but it, I was thinking of you, Steve, in that book because you talked about that before. The different Jesuses and 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 a coworker would say, "Well, are you, are you a Christian?" I go, I go, yeah, I, I would identify as a Christian. My my dudeism has a very Jesusy flavor to it. I told him, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I thought. I thought, you know, it'd be cool to have like Jesus versus Jesus, like, like, like a podcast or a YouTube channel where you bring in like a, you bring in like a Presbyterian and a Baptist and then we put, we put the Jesuses up against each other. Well, in, in that sort book, of intellectual battle, you know, in that book, that's actually what happens. You better. That's actually what happens is imaginary Jesus go to battle. Yeah. They if I want three men jerk each other off, I'll just go to Pornhub. <laughs> Is that what they do? No, yes. I, it would be That's defensive. Like people arguing theology, like like little nitpicky bullshit things. It's just <laughs> jerking each other off. They're some both... people are into that, Derek. That's yes. what you're, yes, you're, you're... <laughs> Some people are really Pins into that. Are a, uh, a Pornhub <laughs> category for it. That's, yeah, that's just... probably yeah, there probably is. I'm not saying it's wrong. Not probably. That's not There's probably. There's a way more efficient and honest way to get yeah, off than reading an entire book. Like, like I can do that in, yeah, five minutes flat, done. I can go on with my day. I don't have to read a book about it. 
<laughs> there you go. But isn't it kind of fun just to watch like ego People against ego up. and watch it blow up? Yeah. So, so that again, so if I go back to the Super Bowl, if I cycle it back to it, that was the thing that I loved the most about it. So, Chiefs versus Buccaneers. So, it was this whole thing of, I mean, like they just, ex they just went at each other and nobody actually won. Nobody won. Everybody lost that game. I oh, know Tom Brady won. What we, Tom Brady won, yeah. This we know. And I do agree with it. I, I and the it, it was It was the Tom Brady show. It was Tom Brady won, but he didn't actually win. I don't think he really did because he, he won the game, but he didn't put on the show. And like I said, the streaker really did kind of usurp him. And, and it pissed him off. He didn't like it. And and so, I mean, nobody nobody won that game. That wasn't, it wasn't a memorable show. Like nobody's really going to talk about it. People are going to move on. It wasn't a big deal. Russell Wilson looked incredibly depressed, which was really well, he was, sad. He's pissed off because he thinks he should be there. Was that what that was? I had no yeah. idea what that was about. There was, there was a big, looked, he was on a podcast and uh, Jesus magic. he come out bitch, bitching about his offensive line and says, Hey, in, in this, his, his, his meaning was, I'm watching this guy, seven Super Bowls, I should be there. If I had an offensive line, if mm. I was in the right system, I could be that way. And the so guy's why was he there then? He was torturing yeah. himself by putting himself right there so that he could watch it? Like, that's sick. Yeah. He had to get his Walter Payton more. That's why yeah. I was Yeah, that's all. Oh, like, that's just like, that's like castrating yourself. Why would yeah. you do that to it's yourself? pretty much. Because that one picture was... Was Sarah and uh, and Roger Goodell were chatting up and right like they're and, talking across yeah, Russell Wilson. Yeah, and he's just staring, he's just straight staring ahead. at yeah. Exactly. Oh, he looks dead inside. Oh, you can tell pissed. that. You no, know, yeah. you can tell that he just has carved his yeah. soul from the inside out, and he was not okay. Yeah, and he and he wasn't quite even a bit. he wasn't even pretending that no. he was fine. No, he verbalized a lot of it on Monday. Did he? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it was. So again, it's his. And of course, ego. I was getting crucified in Seattle. <laughs> well, he was never a winner here anyway. You know, look what he had. He had Marshawn Lentz, and it would want to if he hadn't a blah, 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 blah. He wants to be Tom Brady. Yes, he does. Ew. Yes, he does. Ew, that's gross. I know. Oh, <laughs> I just lost a lot of respect Sorry. for Russell Wilson. Now, I always figured he was a little bit of kind of like a prince, a little bit of a pretty boy, but well, now, it's like guys on the radio, true. I was listening, and they said, Russ, stick to the cliches. You know, just stick to the yeah, cliches. Yeah. He's, he's, the, he's the cliche king. Tom Brady, Tom Brady didn't just win the Super Bowl. Tom Brady won the NFL. Yeah. That was the point of the game. He, he is the leader NFL. of the entire sport of NFL. Yeah. And now he knows it. He <laughs> well, no he's an old man. He really yeah. is. That's what that was the draw for me. I get that. Yeah. No, it was the old man appeal. Like I get it. And he he just nailed it. Like it was watching somebody just like punch somebody else in the nuts for like four hours it was like bam, bam, bam. Yeah. it was it was a little, it was hard to watch my husband i thought he wanted to die <laughs> and i was just because the last the very last quarter my husband jason is just like okay we're gonna turn this off and i'm like there's no way in hell i'm turning this off i want to watch everybody suffer and so <laughs> he sat with me he did and then eventually i got bored because i was like eh, they're all just sad and pathetic now so tom brady just got just won the entire game and he's about to have his Bobby Fisher moment Ew. where there's nothing Ew. else. There's nothing else to play for. That's 
really sad. I was hoping that they would just start scrimmaging towards the end. Be like, you know, they could just be like the old boys club. They all know each other. They all know each other really well. Oh yeah. Like it's this very private, tight knit club. And so I was hoping they would just be like, fuck it. The game is over. Let's just like, let's just let's just go at each other. But I they 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 couldn't actually take their egos and check them at the door and just be with each no. other. And that that's when I checked out. Cause I was like, oh, cause it was an opportunity over and over and over again. It was an opportunity missed and it broke my heart because it was an opportunity for men to just connect with one another. Cause, cause again, the female sexuality wasn't there to spur them or distract them. They had an opportunity to really connect as men and they didn't do it. And it, it, it just broke my heart. That's not what they're, that's, if there's anything that's anti-emotional connection, it's NFL. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Cause I was like, <laughs> I've been dying to talk about this for four days. It's been killing me because yeah. I no, I've been processing it because it was so interesting. It was, it, it really was a very interesting, very unique game. And I, I really appreciated it, but it was hard to watch. The NFL is about physical and intellectual domination. That is the theme of the entire game. Yeah, and, and, and everybody knows when you've got someone on the ropes, you never let up. You rub their face in their defeat until they've exposed their throat. And that is what the NFL is about. And I think the NFL, like, because you said this, the Super Bowl was one of the least watched in, I don't I can't remember saying it. Right, like they, they just shot themselves in the head. <laughs> They shot, they just shot themselves in the balls. Like they really, they fucked themselves over because they just insisted with the NFL. Yeah. Because they insisted on doing it their way. Well, it it has to be the masculine version of this. Only the masculine version. And again, Tom Brady's won the NFL. Nobody's going to do what Tom Brady did. So what is the point of playing football? No, he ended it. If Tom Brady has won the NFL and it'll still go on and nostalgia will still be there and it'll still be mm. fun, but it may have peaked. I agree. I think well, that's what that was. I think that was a peak. Mm-hmm. Here's what I think is going to happen. He's going to go to another shitty team. Like you'll pick the Jets or the Cleveland Browns and he'll take them to the Super Bowl. But it doesn't matter to Russ because he's already made his point. Exactly. You know, there's got to be a season four. No, no. yeah. It's going to be shitty and only, and only, the people that are in it for the nostalgia will tune in. And he'll just do it to stay alive. <clears throat> He's only alive for the game. He, he, he has no other reason for living. None. That's why he did what he did this year. And so, like, yeah, he could keep on going. And he probably will until the day he dies. And he probably should. Because otherwise, what else does he have to live for? His, his wife, that ain't going to do it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> celebrity Ooh. marriage like that's just got to be hard whoever they are you know not just tom brady i was thinking my wife and i were talking about that like how do they do this thing where they're making movies they don't see each other it's they don't weird they don't it's a business partnership it, it, like it a is a business PR partnership. it is a partnership is what it is yep. it's it's weird i don't know i mean there's few there's few celebrities that make it happen like i think kurt russell and and uh goldie Hawn. They've been together they're forever. Not, they're, they're the only ones who still. But they're not married. That's how they make it work. No, they're not married. No, no, they're not. Married. No, I didn't think so. Yeah, I didn't think they were married. Yeah. No, not being married keeps kind. Of, it keeps things fresh because as soon as you're married, you're like, oh well, shit, I don't have to try anymore. 
Oh, same with uh, um, Tim Robbins and um, they're not together anymore. Susan Sarandon. They were for a long time. And they were yes, they were. Yeah. Well, and Tim Robbins is fucking brilliant. Susan Sarandon's just fun. So it makes I, I could see them together. I think they would have had a good time. But, but when they were done, they just called it, and I bet they're still very close. They just decided to go live separate lives. Yeah. Anyways, we should wrap this up. Who's going to land the plane? Steve, land the plane for us. Close us out in holy ceremony. <laughs> there is, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think there is a Jesus pill, and I know there's not a Jesus pill because then it would be too easy. And I think that that we are on a journey, and it's going to be difficult. And I think it's meant to be difficult. Because if it's easy, A, everybody would do it and it wouldn't, it wouldn't have value. So Russ, if you'd go back, if you'd have, when you came to Jesus in that altar call, that first Don't time, talk to Russ, you got to land the plane. I know, I'm just asking to <laughs> land it. Would it have meant the same if immediately you'd have been, quote, whole, quote, healed? <coughs> um, Tune in next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think so. I, I think mean, that's, that's right. the like, It's just not realistic. It. It's just not. It. That's a great cliffhanger. Punch it. To die. Yeah, if you want to live, you got to die. That's kind of what we're saying. Stop it and then keep talking. There we go. So, so yeah. I, Stop I, the recording. I, I'm with you, Steve. Are you still recording? Stop recording. Stop it. Stop it. Say. Stop. Love Stop. Jesus. Stop. You got control, Russ. We don't. No. Bye, everybody. Both pilots. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe. Like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound? Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't chicken out! It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. Picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. SHUT UP! I'll be back. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system.